This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, also the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny, and we have two special guests in the studio with us today, Courtney Hutton, who is a video producer from right here at WGTE, and also the president emeritus of the Toledo Symphony, Robert Bell, or I can call you Bob, right? I hope so. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. In honor of your appearance, Mr. Bell, I, I actually have I have a little welcoming uh, sound effect for you. Let's see if I can find it here. There we go. So foreboding. Yeah. Yeah. Because for people who don't know, you are a timpanist. You started playing with the Toledo Symphony when you were 17, right? That's about right. Yeah, just like a couple of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe 10. Maybe 10. (laughs) Maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, you're a legend in Toledo Symphony Circle, so we're glad that we have you here uh, to talk about our subject at hand today, which is TSO and HD. We're going to talk all about that. This is a subject that has sort of cropped up a few times during Mm -hmm. the course of this entire podcast. I know, Zach, you were talking about it uh, months ago when we were here with Alain Trudel and talking about that. And we even talked about it last week with Giordano Bellincampi uh, for those concerts that we talked about just a moment ago. So it's something that has really taken off, and we're here to talk all about it the history of it, how it came to pass, what are the advantages of TSO and HD, and what are the possibilities for the future. First of all, if people don't know what I'm talking about, who wants to, to tell us what TSO and HD is? Bob, you want to chime in there with that? Hang on. <laughs> okay. See, I'm not sure. Is that uh, Mahler second? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it was Spaceballs. Oh, Spaceballs. <laughs> Sounds more like it. Yeah. Well, we have uh, two large screens on either side of the peristyle stage uh, with projection from the, from the back of the auditorium. And we, together with the team from WGTE, with Courtney, who's with us today, we have cameras that are set up on either side of the stage, plus some remotes. And then uh, Courtney and I sit in the back and with a score and with her very carefully aligned uh, shot uh, schedule. Uh, we then, throughout the concert, sort of take images of different parts of the orchestra as they're playing. Mm-hmm. So you can see close-ups of the various players, uh, at either as solo or ensemble, so forth. Well, you make it sound probably much easier than <laughs> than it is behind the scenes with all the, the machinations that have to go on. How did this get started? What was the who who came up with the idea for well, for TSO and HD? I think probably uh, uh, this all happened uh, under Zach's immediate predecessor, Kathy Carroll, and uh, probably the first big event we did with this was when we did the Beethoven Ninth at the Huntington Center with the Jumbotron, yeah. yes. and that was yeah. uh, that was that. kind of it. I don't remember exactly how all that got put together, but then uh, there were a couple of instances in succeeding seasons where we, we, we did do it occasionally. Not at the level that we've we've gotten it to now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's much more emphasis, much more uh, investment in both uh, yeah. uh, equipment and, and and preparation and so forth. So it's now become, thanks again to Zach and his team, we were able to get the funding 
which if you'd like to talk about that, how we're actually able to afford to do this. Well, right. that's, that's always a, a big concern. Yes, <laughs> well, and, and also a major investment in equipment, too. Yeah. That's true. So, you know, the, the, I think the reason it keeps coming up on our, our discussions is that it's, it's different, and mm-hmm. uh, not many orchestras are doing something like this. Um, so that's different for soloists. It's different for conductors when they come in from out of town to see these massive screens. And, and some use them, but they use them in different ways than I think we are. Uh, so to do a simulcast in the hall, as opposed to recording something for streaming online, for example, um, it brings people into the, the concert experience in a different way. And because that's different and because it's innovative, uh, you know, we've been able to go out into the corporate community and find underwriting for it. So yeah. uh, Buckeye Broadband came on as our, our sponsor for this season, and they've signed on for next season as well. Uh, and, and they were very excited to, to get involved because it, uh, it, it ties in with their mission and it, it, it shows their commitment to doing things that are innovative. But we need that kind of support because we have a production team backstage making this thing happen during the concert we have uh, very expensive projection uh, requirements and mm-hmm. um, things that, uh, materials that we have to rent for um, you know an entire week of rehearsals and performances so you know, it, it, it becomes very expensive so the, well, it's uh, like it, the, the production values and the level of work that has to go into actually creating the production of the the concert is, yeah. is elevated quite it, a bit it is so but the the experience is so much more elevated so that's why the expense i think is worthwhile in yeah. the end um, and the reason other orchestras aren't doing it is because they'll run away from the expense. Right. Now, there are a lot of different things that, that I'm curious about when it comes to TSO and HD. And one of the things that pops to mind is how does it affect the musicians? How does it affect the even the conductor, the performers? We heard Giordano Bellincampi talking last week a little bit about saying, you know, <laughs> catching a glimpse of himself on the big <laughs> screen and all of a sudden <laughs> feeling self-conscious because he wants to make sure, like, is everything that I'm doing... Does it have a purpose, yeah. right? So th- these are the kind of thoughts that we're creating now. Do you have instrumentalists? I wonder who are thinking. Okay, I really can't scratch my nose because they'll think I'm picking my nose, <laughs> or I, you know, I have to really. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that level of detail. I have heard some people say that you know they they're a little more careful in their pre-concert preparations when it comes to how they appear and you yeah. know, whether they. You know, did their hair and that kind of stuff. So, right. you know, I, I don't think musicians on a stage can see around the corner to the screens as much. Maybe some of the violinists and cellists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The strings. Yeah. 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 Most of the strings yeah. have said something to us about that, about being able to. <laughs> and it's funny because if, if you're backstage and I'm watching, you know, all of the cameras at the same time. So it's funny because if you're, you know, filming like an oboe solo or something, you'll see, you'll look up to the cellos and they're all kind of like peeking around and you can <laughs> tell where, that they're looking right at the screen. Yeah. There was a funny moment in the Mahler concert when the cameras were showing uh, an oboe solo and the woman who's playing um, English horn took a swig out of her water bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. You should give them all TSO flasks. For oh, yes, we need to again. brand this a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets TSO, apparently. <laughs> Perfect. It's interesting, though, because it, it has... I, I wonder what the effect is on the musicians as a whole because it gives them more of a sense of um, uh, being a, a, a part of a larger hold, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, larger than the sum of its parts. They're getting the, a little bit of attention, and they never really know when the camera's going to be on them, do mm-hmm. they? 
not necessarily. Yeah. The cameras don't have the red the red light on it to say I'm, I'm broadcasting. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just wondering if it kind of raises their level of engagement at all. Have what you, do you, have think, you Bob? sensed that at all? Well, I, I think they're probably also intrigued with it because it, we believe it will help build audiences. Mm-hmm. It'll be a more engaging way for people to participate in the listening experience with the close-ups. And suddenly, I, I think the next thing we should have baseball cards of these people, right? Yeah, just <laughs> do that one season. You know, you know, so Excellent. And then get a little autograph there, at, whatever. <laughs> but you have to give out a piece of bubble gum with each uh, baseball card. But make well, sure as long as they don't unwrap it during the concert. <laughs> <laughs> cough drop. A cough drop. Cough drops. Yeah, baseball cards and cough drops. This is great. We hope that nobody listens to this and steals all of our ideas. Right? <laughs> I know. Should we censor ourselves a little bit more? <laughs> so I, I want to talk about what happens in the preparation of this because mm-hmm. if you just come to the concert, it, it, you might come to the mistaken conclusion that. Um, this is very easy to do and that you all know exactly where to shine the light at every point of the performance. So I'd love to hear from Courtney and from Bob. What are you doing two weeks before a concert? I see you guys meeting in the office with scores, so I know you're doing something. Uh, But tell us a little bit about what that looks like. We're actually just hanging out with Clara. That's all we're doing whenever we're in the office. To clarify, uh, Clara is Bob's dog. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's actually the mastermind behind all the shot lists is what I like to say. She's at all of our meetings. Nice. It's like (laughs) Wagner's dog wrote all of his music. You know that, right? Dogner. Yeah, no. Dogner. <laughs> we talked about that. <laughs> Every time he hit a chord the dog liked, it, you know, if the dog would, would react, then Wagner would scribble it down. So that's why we have the well, Tristan chord? Is that because yeah. Dogner liked it? I, I think it's completely not true, but it's a great story. It is. Well, yeah. m- maybe we should start where it starts, and then, then Courtney will have a lot of detail. I brought scores, uh, Brad. Uh-huh. I thought maybe you would take a look at score, oh, and you could just get a, a sense from that. Of uh, how this looks, which I'm one looking is at that? The well, that's the Brockner, one. but but here, take, there's the Serenade, which has fewer in it. But do I get to keep these? Or well, no. <laughs> they're in the archives, so you'll see there yeah. uh, these little dots with numbers, red, right? Right, d- right. The one and the two, and then you'll see some green dots and some yellow dots. The yellow right. dots are for soloist. Green dots are for conductor. So the serenade started with Merwin, and there's a big uh, yellow one. You obviously started to yeah. focus on Merwin. Right. Without getting into too much deal, you'll see there are a number, probably in the Mahler Symphony, are probably about 400 cues. And yeah. then what happens is wow. that this gets put on in print, and then Courtney takes this, and then she uh, assigns a camera to each one of those shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, But... What happens in the two weeks before is a lot of listening and a lot of figuring it out. And it, it, once it's done, then Courtney and I meet, and then there are numerous revisions after that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Courtney, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, so so Bob goes through the score on his own first, and he's looking at it purely from a, you know, in a perfect world, this is a good part to highlight, and, and you know, oh, well, the violin does this little there are two notes of pizzicato and that would be great to get on the screen Um, and then so when I come in to listen to it part of what I'm doing is trying to figure out if it's actually possible to do because sometimes visually it just doesn't quite work and it can be distracting to do too many cuts too quickly Mm -hmm. so um, that's one of the things that I'm thinking about is you know where does it make sense musically versus visually and and can they work together um because i remember which concert was that bob that was it symphony fantastique where there was that little three note pizzicato oh right right was that we wanted to get the head the head rolling down the 
Yeah, and we got it. Did you actually (laughs) just like roll ahead down in front of the timpani? And we we had hoped that the pre-concert lecture set people up for that, so they had a visual image of it. So Bob kind of helps me out with you know places where you know it would be cool to get this, but it's not necessary. Versus something like that, where he said, you know, the people who will get this will think it's very cool that we put it up on the screen because it's such an important moment and it actually has meaning to it. So we go through and we listen to a recording of the score and Bob is calling out the numbers while I'm following along on, basically I just have a printed out Excel sheet, right? So his number one matches my number one and my number one actually tells me what it is because I I actually can't read music. Yeah. So um, I rely a lot on Bob to tell me what's so he's going on. He's, he's translating, translating for you. Exactly. She's learned quite a lot, I must I say. I have. So, <laughs> not only composers, but special effects. She yeah. knows pizzicato. I know oh, what right. that means. I know what know. tremolo is. Right, right. I, things wow. I didn't know before. Right. Um, and I can kind of follow <laughs> along with, I know on a page if it's going to go like from the top of the score to the bottom on the same page, I know what those little marks are. I don't know what they're called. Clearly, I don't have a music background. But, well, that's okay. Um, so it helps me because I can kind of follow along with Bob. He, he'll he take his finger and go like across the score so that I can see how much time mm-hmm. it is from one dot to the next dot. Yeah, looking but, at the Mahler score, you also have to speak German. Because <laughs> of all these... Well, there, there's German so many co- complexities, though, because if you think about it, sometimes there are repeats in a score, and you have to go oh, back, right. and, and you <laughs> probably handle those differently, right? Well, we yeah. do. We do. That's sort of. Right. Sort of. Bob yeah. usually just does, and I think there are repeats somewhere. Right, there One are. of those, aren't right. there? There are, right. Yeah. So, so this is sort of a, an analog process that you have before it gets to the cameras, right? I mean, Bob oh, yeah. is looking at a paper score, he's talking to you, and you're looking at a an Excel chart or what have you, and then you're giving cues... So all the cues right. have been preset, right? Cameras yeah, know where they're planned. supposed to point. Mm-hmm. And then and you have you have a microphone and you're talking to people on it. Yeah. Give, yeah, us, so give us an example of what you would do on the microphone. An like. example of what I do on the microphone. Um, so I'm translating from what Bob is saying to the cameras. And so I take that shot list that we go through in Bob and I's meeting. And it's one half puzzle, one half art. So first and foremost, can my camera situations actually match you know the camera four has a good shot of the concert master but camera three does not because she's behind him Mm. so kind of piecing that out you know can can camera four actually do shot eight to nine well no because it's concert master followed by timpani he can't do that they're too far away um and so once i figure that out i go back and I make shot lists for each camera operator. So Caitlin So they has, have a list of like what their numbers are? They do. They and, do. And who the shot is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they so finish one shot and then they have to set up the next one, right? Exactly. So they know exactly where they're supposed to be going. Um, occasionally they get lost, especially whenever it gets really fast with, you know, a lot of numbers coming very quickly. What do you do then? I'm conductor. talking to them the whole time. <laughs> we we, we default to the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> we we generally do have a safety shot, which is that back camera that's facing straight on at the conductor. Yeah. So that's usually up at all times. Occasionally, we have to take that camera for um, a timpani shot or a percussion so shot. But now we know the secret. Like if you're lingering on the conductor for a long time, there you go. <laughs> everybody at Courtney's backstage <laughs> going, the rest "Where, of the where show. are we? Where are we?" <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear that sometimes. You'll, you'll hear me ask Bob what number we're on because yeah. I've gotten, you know, we've gotten lost. And, you know, sometimes when the music swells, I can't hear a cue. And, and then I get lost because I didn't hear Bob say 57. So then I didn't yeah. take 57. So then I'm on the conductor until we figure out what our next shot is. 
What um, I love is that that you're 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 talking to camera people who who know what a noble looks like and where they sit. That's and then, half yeah. the battle. Then if you're going to switch over on, on one of the robotic cameras to to catch a, a cue within a very specific set of string oh. players, right. that you know where to go to find them. I said oboe, not clarinet. <laughs> it's you know that's actually something that we struggle with a lot is that um, you know we generally have the same camera operators. Um, so Mark and Caitlin are generally our stage mm-hmm. cameras, and they've done most of the concerts um, that we've done since we did the first one back in 14, 15, mm-hmm. whatever. Which one that was? I think it was the Joshua Bell one was yeah. the very first one. Um, I've directed everyone in the peristyle, so I'm always on the crew, and so it's obviously Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally we bring in a new camera operator, uh, just we, you know, scheduling conflicts, and that's always fun to try and explain <laughs> to them. <laughs> like, Good you luck. Know. What, you, what you need to do, now here's my idea for how to, to completely solve all of these problems, right? <laughs> you just have each particular person that you're going to do a focus on wear a different colored shirt or tuxedo, or they can have like a well, big number and yeah. different you know, colors. That's on. what we did when we originally started this. We put different colored uh, sheets on the on the music, red sheets on the the brass mm-hmm. or yellow sheets on oboes and stuff. We actually did wow. something like something <laughs> like that. I so I thought that, I was so like smart. Well, apparently you are. So <laughs> apparently, great mind. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you talking about when we did the rehearsals? Uh, well, I, I think these were for the kids' concerts. That was okay. That, yes, we that, did do them for young people. Yeah, because right. we've done. I know we've yeah. done the young people's right. concerts. Yeah. By the I way, that is something we do, and it, it at as as well as the classics concerts. We do the, all the educational for concerts. The, in the HD. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, we have a different screen, but it's still HD. Yeah, yeah. it's a little it's a bit screen. different in our process, just because with classics, we're trying to think about it very um, mindfully from an artistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With the young people's, we're also thinking about the fact that it's educational, so we don't try to do as many quick cuts because we want to linger on the instruments because that's what the yeah, you know what yeah. the kids are there to mm-hmm. see we want to make sure that they get exposure to yeah. the right things who, who can talk a little bit about um the, the audience feedback for this because i hear that it's popular mm-hmm. i'm assuming that you've gotten a lot of good feedback mm-hmm. there are inevitably going to be people who don't like the screens because they're they're visually different than what they've seen in the peristyle for for many years um but the the feedback that we've we've gotten is that it helps people to hear the music differently and um you know if you think about people's um attention span usually wanes after 12 minutes of focusing on 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 something so if you don't have the screens there after 12 minutes after your overture more or less that's when people start to look through the program book and try Mm -hmm. to figure out what what else they can occupy their mind with with those screens though and we see this both in the educational concerts for the young people's concerts and also for the classics concerts people are staring at the stage or at the screens much more. Mm-hmm. So we, we capture that attention and we keep them engaged. And, and then the metrics that come out of our post-concert surveys give us much higher scores on um, perceived quality of musicianship, yeah. something that they can actually grasp by seeing how hard everybody's working all the time to, to play the instruments as well as they do. Well, and one of the things that I really loved watching it myself was seeing the conductor up close. Mm-hmm. You, you normally you, see their backs. Yeah, it puts right. you in the POV of the... <coughs> Instrumentalists of the orchestra, and, and mm-hmm. you and you think, wow! So that's what they're doing, right? right. You know right. that we don't normally see. And we we try to orchestrate that in a way that you're seeing the conductor at the right moments. 
Yeah. I mean, despite, <laughs> despite the default setting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. A lot well, of times it's intentional. So, yeah. you know, if you think about the attention span, but then you also, you, Bob mentioned growing audiences. Um, this is the sort of thing where if you're a new listener and you don't know the repertoire and you don't know um, what you're supposed to be listening for, mm-hmm. and, and, and those are the common reasons that people don't choose to come to a symphony, um, this helps you through that and it, it's not a spoon-fed sort of idiot's guide to the orchestra mm-hmm. it's a very direct very engaging way to immerse yourself in the art form and uh and and the f- the feedback has been great you know the the unique things that you get to see um you know just thinking back to the Mahler concert you know the the winds at many points put their bells up in the air and play like Benny Goodman style yeah. you wouldn't see that from the from the audience without this without the screen so you get yeah. to see things like that um so all of the seats at the peristyle are really wonderful seats now because of yeah. the screens. Yeah. Well, and yeah. It's limited viewing there from certain sections. From certain sections yeah. that are really close to the stage. If you're, if you're on the side. Yeah. yeah. Right. I loved how you mentioned attention span earlier because yeah. I brought my four-year-old daughter to um, just watch the first half of the uh, Bernstein Mahler concert, yeah. and she made it. <laughs> <laughs> I was she so made it all the excited. way through. Yeah. Was it? What does she call Merwin? You posted that on social media. No? Morwin. Morwin. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start calling him Morwin for now. <laughs> Me That's too. Cute. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I think the the funniest response was that the perception was that we had improved somehow the acoustics of the peristyle because of the screens, because people are are watching what they're hearing. And they're hearing better because they are, are capturing that that fabric so much more, and um, and you think about what the museum has expressed to us the values of visual literacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that this is a um, audio version of that where mm-hmm. seeing makes you hear better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the idea of, of, of somehow because people are more engaged with yeah. their visual cortex their audio cortex is enhanced as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, if, if I can, I yeah. can actually speak to that too because that's one of the things that, you know, when Bob and I are doing our background, I, I am that audience member who never, ever listened to a symphony. I'd never listened to classical music. And the first time I was told that I was supposed to be directing these shows, I kind of rolled my eyes because I was like, oh my gosh, symphony music, this is going to be stuffy and boring. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring my crossword puzzle over. with me. Exactly. Now I'm, I, now I'm converted. I listened to it on my own, on my own time because I enjoy the music and for so for me it's I think how many people are there like me who have never been to a symphony performance who've never listened to this music and so that's sort of part of my goal is um, you know taking Bob's perspective and then my inexperienced perspective and merging the two and and I have that same reaction where I think oh my gosh I I can hear a bassoon even though there's all this other noise, I can hear the bassoon mm-hmm. underneath it because I know I'm supposed to look for the bassoon. And you know what a bassoon is now. And I know what a bassoon yeah. Yeah, it's not is. An elbow. Yeah. You're making me <laughs> yeah. think of a story I read the other day that took place down near Dayton. A gentleman was decided because the weather was so nice, he took his bassoon outside and was practicing outside, and somebody <laughs> oh, called the I, cops. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> He called the police because they thought he had some kind of weird rifle <laughs> oh. sitting out in the parking lot. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, bassoons, those bassoons have, have been known to kill people, so you have to watch out. <laughs> Careful that. Dangerous I was Speaking Indeed. as a former bassoonist. Well, myself. a recovering bassoonist, as yeah. I like to call you. I've, I've long since recovered. I, I love what you say, Courtney, about how you've gotten to see the, the orchestra world from the backstage and, and mm-hmm. develop a love for it. Um, I'm very happy to hear that. I, w- I would also ask... Mr. Bell. Uh, I'd also ask Bob. <laughs> Mr. Basser. What, 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 hang on, um, hang on. There we go. 
now it's complete. <laughs> no, no, you may speak. <laughs> now I may speak. Uh, what have you come to appreciate from the production process? Just as Courtney has learned about uh, classical music, what, what is your baptism in, in the production world of uh, cameras and well, video? <clears throat> actually, what I've felt has been important is is how to engage and how to make it more of a poetic experience and just say, oh, there's a horn, or there's a, there's a bassoon, or whatever. It, it's got to fit in the right place, and you know, you introduce the conductor at the right time, and you get those little cute things which nobody is going to see. And oh, a contrabassoon, that's a kind, and oh, I can hear it. You know, it's that kind of yeah. stuff. That's that's what I really like about it. And we, I'll be fair, I we get a few timpani shots now and then. <laughs> 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 but, you know, she's, Sally, our timpanist, is in the back and uh, kind of surrounded by double basses. And then for the yeah. last concert, we actually had Sa- Sally and Jordan with oh, yeah. eight timpani, and, and you would never have known mm-hmm. yeah. if there were any there. You're talking about the poetic moments, Bob. It, what I do love about the, the production elements that have really come along this year are the, the fade-in, the, the, the blur factors mm, of right. moving into focus. Mm. It's beautifully done. It's right. not just... Horn, bass, conductor, violin. Right, right, exactly. It's that's all in Courtney's world, and yeah. she's done a great job there. That, that's no. kind of where we start. What I, what I was saying earlier about watching Bob helps me track across the score for timing is that um, I'm giving my camera operators those cues of how you know speed up, slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to push in. I want to pull out here. Occasionally, um, it's, I'd say it's about a fifty-fifty split between me telling them what to do and them giving me something of their own because they're very creative as well and uh caitlin one of the biggest things she did at the mauler which was just so cool something that you wouldn't think to tell someone to do is there's something called a lens extender and it it's exactly what it sounds like it makes your lens extend out so you can't pull out as wide because it's getting tighter shots Mm -hmm. and it affects the iris of the camera and all these kinds of things and it's a tool that you're not supposed to use live nobody (laughs) would think to do it live but caitlin is so good at what she does and she was writing the iris on her camera so that that very last big symbol crash she actually flipped her extender at the exact moment so you saw this like instant massive wide pull out <laughs> from the percussion section timed with the symbol which was just so cool yeah. um, and, and those kinds of things I let the camera operators do because you know after a, fel- a couple of rehearsals they get into the music too and they they have you know I've got 12 shots in this movement what can I do with these 12 shots so mm-hmm. they they can really focus in and, and try something new. Are, are there any uh, ideas on the horizon for how to even enhance it that even more because when you're talking about that sort of little special effects on the fly I'm thinking maybe you could add some snapchat filters maybe you could do a little <laughs> face swap kind of thing. A kiss cam. Uh, yeah, be, you know I mean Take we, it to the next level. We did have a couple get engaged with the use of our screens, not necessarily really? our cameras, but uh, Courtney and I were able to work together. Um, there's uh, somebody who wanted to propose to his girlfriend, so in the midst of our, our standard uh, upcoming performances on the screens before the concert, um, at the appropriate time, the screens darkened, up comes the proposal, stayed there for exactly a minute, and I could hear from backstage uh, applause and um, and gasping, and uh, you presume yeah. she says yes because people <laughs> seem to be very happy. Well, that'd be a bummer if she said no. <laughs> it's right. Right. On the big screen. Well, <laughs> let's, let's go on with the concert. So uh, I don't think we'll get to a kiss cam, but we did, we did yeah. make one matrimony possible. Yeah. 
Well, we've got just a, a, a minute or two left. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Zach? As we, uh... I just I, I think that um, in in many ways, you know, Bob deserves a lot of credit for for the the mechanical um, uh, construct of of what happens on the screens because because of your familiarity with the the scores and and with the music and your ability to communicate that uh, to creative professionals who can visualize it um, but you know I just I, I want you to know that I see this as yet another great contribution that you've given to the orchestra and sharing yeah. music in such an innovative way with the audience Bob well, very part of your legacy definitely for the orchestra um, well, that's about all the time that we have today. I want to thank all of you for coming in. Our regular panelists, Zach Vassar and Felicia Canny. A special thank you to Courtney Hutton and also to President Emeritus of the Toledo Symphony, Bob Bell. Thanks for coming in today, Bob. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab, which is generously underwritten by a gift from the estate of Barbara Garwood and is a production of WGPE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org or subscribing on Apple Podcasts. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91.